Greetings. A hearty shalom, which is the way I like to say it. It's the way we do it in Texas. My name is Jeffrey Seif, and I serve as the executive director of the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. The task at hand is for me to read through uh, an article that I wrote for this week's parasha entitled, I Have Called You Friends. So here we go. As a rabbi, I work through the parasha every week. I typically read through the portion, and while paying attention to what the text is saying, I personally look for a feeling, some sort of impulse, something prompting me to land on a particular passage. Now, my heart bounced all over the place while reading this week's parasha, to tell you the truth. I wasn't sure where I wanted to land because there are compelling landing strips all over the place. There's just so much stuff. Moving through this week's parasha backward, uh, one alights upon the Lord's 13 attributes in chapter 34, verses 6 through 8. That's Exodus 34. One alights upon what Judaism refers to as the 13 attributes, and about that much rabbinic ink has been spilt. Moses beckoning God to, quote, show me your glory in chapter 33:18, taps and articulates readers' interest in experiencing God in worship, much as it resonates with prayer warriors who want to speak to God face to face and experience his presence and rest. More intellectually minded exegetes, forever keen on connecting the dots between Tanakh and New Testament, find connections with a theme that resonates in both. Friendship. And I'll tell you, that's where I'm going to land with this. In chapter 33, verse 11, Moses is likened to a friend, specifically a friend of God. In the Johannine Gospel, that's the Gospel of John, Yeshua is on record promising friendship to believers who abide in John chapter 15 verse 14. Then immediately after, he follows up and more forcefully reiterates the point with a promise saying, quote, I have called you friends in John chapter 15 verse 15. Now for me, it's it's hard to overstate the significance. The relationship with God that believers in Yeshua enjoy is akin to Moses. I just think that's incredible. Friendship is key in both testaments. The incredibly good news articulated in Exodus 33 and 34, however, is juxtaposed against the tragic and agonizing bad news in chapter 32. There, readers learn, as you might recall, of the golden calf incident and the judgment that came immediately after as a result of it. There's agony and ecstasy in this week's Torah portion. While there's much I could say from these few pages, perhaps should say, I'm going to limit myself to Aaron's failure. That might be a tough pill to swallow because there's so much good stuff. But I want to look at this. 
Moses' absence from the people while atop Sinai in chapter 32, verse 1, created a problem, one not of his own making. Moses was gone for a season. Restless, discontented sorts beckon Aaron to step into the leadership void. The shepherd sheepishly complied. He bought into a, quote, let's return to Egypt narrative and began the manufacture of a golden calf. Can you imagine that? The high priest of Israel. Mm. Though the principle, Moses, was out of sight for a season, the principle to move forward with the Lord and not manufacture and worship Egyptian idols most certainly would have been present. They should have known better. Would it have been too much to expect Aaron, the high priest, to resist their press toward its manufacture and the return to Egypt? I think not, personally. He, however, solicited donations of gold rings from Hebrew men's wives and daughters and in chapter 32, verse 2, and then commenced with the manufacture of an idol. Well, surely this wasn't Aaron's finest hour. Now, for his part, Rashi, Rabbi Shmuel Yitzchak, uh, of renown in previous generations, comes to Aaron's defense, conjecturing, quote, and I'm quoting him, Aaron said in his heart, the women and the children cherish their ornaments. Perhaps the matter will be delayed, and in the interim, Moses will come back. In other words, maybe they won't want to comply, and it'll drag on, and Moses will come and save the day. Well, Personally, I'm not altogether sure Rashi can know what Aaron said in his heart. That aside, Aaron's lack of resolve here wasn't simply a one-off event. Later, for example, after the Israelites left Sinai, we see how Aaron was yet again drawn into another's discontent. In that case, speared along by Miriam's chagrin, Aaron was drawn into her angst and participated in her family rebellion in Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Rashi, uh, harking to him again, conjectures it was Moses' wife's beauty that invoked Miriam's ire. You know, a little jealousy there. Well, maybe or maybe not. I don't know. I do know this, though. Aaron's lack of fortitude and his being too easily swayed is apparent in that incident as well. So it's not just a one-off, personally. I think, you know, there's a character issue there. The Torah follows Aaron's lackluster performance. We'll look at it. But so it's not to single out Aaron, personally. I've long observed how flaky people can, and then every now and again, do uh, be flaky. (laughs) Mindful of it, I've long wondered how God gets any work done through us given various glaring imperfections associated with the human condition. But he does, he does. God graciously and patiently bears with our human foibles, and this fact is salient in this week's parashah. The Torah follows Aaron's performance in 32 with an important statement in 34, 6, and 7. Therein, in what Judaism refers to as the 13 attributes of God, God's, quote, compassion, his, quote, gracious disposition, 
as being, quote, slow to anger and, quote, showing mercy to a thousand generations are stated emphatically. That God is thus minded is not only good news for Aaron, but it's good news for us as well. And we've seen the relationship with God that believers in Yeshua's enjoy is akin to Moses' relationship with God. Friendship is key in both, and grace is extended to both. To be sure, Aaron's performance with the golden calf leaves a lot to be desired. I'm personally not very impressed. It's not unreasonable to expect better from a spiritual leader. We want leaders to lead us forward, not backward to Egypt. My main takeaway, however, derives from the reminder that God is gracious and bears with us kindly, even in friendship. Speaking of, quote, bearing and speaking of moving forward, as in Aaron is supposed to lead them forward, not backward. And as I close, as the executive director, speaking as the executive director of the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations, permit me to tell you the following. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the UMJC's Kadima Forward Program. We've got forward stuff happening. Information on where we're going will be coming to you in reasonably short order. Forward. God bless.